0: welcome to the optiform podcast we really specialize in optimizing fitness performance by bringing on guys like this um, to really explain um, training nutrition supplementation everything that you guys need in order to really up the levels of your fitness performance so today my man welcome hamad bat how's it going brother
1: hey brother i'm doing good thank you for having me on
0: yeah yeah i'm super excited to get you going because Um, we were talking a little bit before this, I feel like we relate a lot on the similar things. He's only 22. I'm only 22. Um, we have the same passions and, um, this guy is super knowledgeable. His page is filled with amazing content. And so I'm really happy to have you here today, brother.
1: Thanks man. Yeah. I'm really happy to be here. We definitely uh, have some similarities in terms of mindset and, uh, you know, outlook. So definitely looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, so today, um, really wanted to go over more of like a, on the training aspect of things and, and dive into more of based on your, your experience level, whether you're beginner, intermediate, advanced, in between, um, and really set people up for how to get the maximal gains in the gym by certain what's called periodization, which is like putting certain blocks or mesos or macro and all these big words. We're going to kind of simplify that a little bit. And then, kind of give what Hamad has for what he does with his athletes, as well as you know what he's worked for him. Um, so yeah. So first off, you know, let's let's do actually. I think a lot of people listening to this would be more of an intermediate lifter. You know, mm-hmm. um, and let's kind of go from like an intermediate, like a beginner to an intermediate step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say in terms of like training? Um, what would that step first consist of? Going from a beginner. To an intermediate, would you start with their total volume, or would you start with like their split of itself of what it is, from like a bro split to like a like an upper lower? What would you usually do there?
1: Okay, well, we can start with what's actually needed for uh, a beginner. So cool. you know, periodization, you know, it's the how you organize training, the strategic manipulation of these variables to elicit progress over time. Right. The thing is, beginners they have much more basic problems that they should be worrying about. You know, first of all, you know, consistency seems to be a huge problem. Like I'm sure that you've had clients like this. It's just like so many beginners, you know, you would think that they need help with um, like learning certain things. It's like, it's often just that they're not consistent. So, you know, that goes before uh, anything. Then, um, you know, I make sure like, okay, so what does fit their schedule? So let's say they can only go to the gym three days per week, I'm going to make sure I put in the optimal volume for them in those three workouts so that they can keep seeing progress. Because we know, you know, assuming you have uh, sufficient relative intensity, meaning like your RPE is high enough, volume's a key driver of hypertrophy, right? Mm-hmm. E- even at the, I mean, at the beginner stage, you know, it's not going to be uh, as important to get really, really, you know, into the nitty gritty. but you know, you're going to need sufficient volume. So uh, just make sure that uh, they're doing enough in the gym consistently, right? Beginners, the difference between beginners and uh, intermediates are that beginners are going to be progressing much faster. So uh, session to session for the most part, and it depends how you define it. I like to say beginners progress session to session or week to week. And then intermediates would be, progressing uh usually like month to month so uh first of all that's just the difference between the beginners and intermediates mm-hmm. so if you have with beginner the consistency down they got the volume in um obviously it, it seems beneficial to train each muscle group two to three times per week to keep you know stimulating muscle protein synthesis um then you'll probably be doing a, a huge bulk of the work and then of course you know just progressive overload you want to make sure that you're doing more over time mm-hmm. i have you so far right
0: yeah 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 exactly no i am i'm with you 100 i'm kind of letting you explain it and to kind of like break down it to be a little more simpler like first off backtrack when he said intensity levels are adequate at a higher level rpe is generally adequate rpe all that stands for is, is obviously rate of perceived exertion correct uh-huh uh, yeah. And like, having, having that skill, um, adequate enough that you're, you're pushing yourself. Um, but instead of using like a percentage of your one at max in your training, and we're using more of like how you feel on that day of, you know, obviously, right. Correct.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At the most fundamental level, it really just means each set, uh, don't train like a wuss.
0: <laughs> exactly. Sure see all, like I know that Albert, like you know, I think, uh, Eric Helms were doing like a video or a blog or something on the RPE and are you really training hard enough or whatever it was, you know? Um, and to really ask yourself if that's like your, your eight on the scale or whatever it is, right. Or a nine or a t- whatever it is. Um, but anyways, um, yeah. So volume adequate in the beginner, the consistency, I agree a hundred percent is the most important part because those guys, like beginners are going to respond like crazy. Obviously, if you have adequate volume, adequate intensity, they're just consistent in the gym and like, obviously trying to get the nutrition to like recover so they can get back into the gym so they're not like just killing themselves on that one day and then they're so sore they don't even want to go back to the gym. That's usually what I see, right? And maybe that's what you see too. But transitioning to intermediate, I like how you said month to month because they really need to realize that they're entering that phase once progress slows, um, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Um, and so then I like that you, you must use a lot of progressive overload Uh, as your fundamental base. Um, And you can kind of explain what that is a little more. I think that'd be good.
1: Absolutely, man. So progressive overload uh, just means doing more work over time. So when you lift, uh, that's a stimulus. You lift hard, you lift with enough volume. That is the stimulus to uh, increase your fitness, to to make progress. And then, you know, when you have adequate stimulus that actually uh, calls for growth then you recover from that stimulus. And then you adapt. So basically, what I'm saying is, you need enough stimulus, but you need to recover from it. And only then can you actually get stronger or build muscle, you know, improve your fitness in some way. So you want to so so that's what progressive overload is, you provide enough stimulus, and then you adapt. And because of that adaptation, you have to increase the stimulus. So uh, to, to sum it up progressive overload is just increasing the demands on your body over time. Beginners can do so uh, much more often. When you get a, you know more and more advanced, the actual you know objective progressive overload will uh, likely be like month to month or meso to meso. So it'll be over a much longer time scale. Excuse me because uh, it's going to take longer to actually accumulate enough volume and dissipate fatigue to realize uh, uh, an, an increase in your fitness or your muscle
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly and i guess my question for you is with those clients and lifters in that transition that stage and stuff like that do you like to add in um more so with total volume do you like to manipulate more of the sets the reps the load the, what do you like to kind of manipulate in terms of kind of progressing that overload? Okay. If, so not, for, if not all of it, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, but I mean, like, what do you like to do? So it really
1: depends. Um, honestly, for, for most of my clients who tend to be um, beginners and intermediates at this point, the most basic things will get you the, the best progress, you know, I, I don't like to categorize people, I don't like to uh, get all crazy, because it's just not necessary for most of the individuals I work with. So honestly, if I just have, you know, whatever the program is, whether, whether I would consider them a beginner, or an intermediate, it's often just, are they making progress? You know, because you, you could say like, Oh, you know, it could be better. Um, well, maybe but once you get past the the, the newbie gains, if you're making Progress at all—it's a good feeling, you know. What I mean? Yeah, no, for no. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so if unless there's something completely off, like that, I can definitely change. You know, like maybe they were only doing uh, f- five sets uh, per day. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't program that. But yeah. if they're doing like something just crazy that you know we can definitely um, increase or do more or change, I'll do it. But otherwise, tra- transitioning from beginner to intermediate, I won't plan anything out. I'll just see what do you need right now to make progress. So that's why I'm, I'm very data-driven. So I, I want to see, like on a spreadsheet, I want to see uh, your stress, your fatigue. I want to see, uh, you know, like how much sleep you're getting, all of this, uh, so that I can track and say, oh, he's not recovering enough. And I see that his lifts ha- are stagnating. So now let's incorporate deloads every. Six weeks. And for a beginner, you probably won't need that. But I don't really need to um, you know, categorize them because really I just give them what they need. But in general, as you get more advanced, you get to that intermediate stage, you're gonna need um higher volumes. You're gonna need uh maybe a little bit more advanced. Um, well, you're gonna need a, a different training split, likely, just to accommodate that increase in volume.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, you know, you might need some periodization and maybe some, uh, you know, progression schemes. So it depends. That's what I was going to ask you
0: if you're more of a linear guy, progressive, or you're more of like an undulating, whether it's you know, by day or by week or however you do, you do you do any sort of manipulation like that? Do you believe in that stuff? There's too okay.
1: brother. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so, so good question. Um, so I'll talk about periodization, uh, once you get to the intermediate stage. So uh, again, periodization is just a strategic manipulation of variables in your training to see progress over time. You know, I, I'm adjusting your, your volume, your frequency, whatever. So when you're a beginner, you don't really need that when you're, uh, an intermediate. Now, the thing is that these periodization models are not mutually exclusive right you mentioned um you know dup daily undulating periodization there's you know linear or uh just all all these different block periodization you can use literally all those models combined so like i said i like to keep it simple but here's the thing if there's something that will elicit more progress or just make the client enjoy their training more. I'm probably going to do that. That, So yeah,
0: Yeah. that's what I was about to literally just say is all of them seem to work. Well, obviously all of the stuff like in, in combination worked even, you know, really, really great. What I see is is when I'm going through, um, depending on like if it's a, like a general population person, I'm not going to worry about all this stuff as much, but if it's an athlete and we're looking for these, you know, actual intermediate level, uh, progressions, um, adherence is super, super huge of what they're able to be able to like, accomplish. Does that make sense? Um, what fits them rather than like me giving, I'm data driven as well, but if I'm going to give you this, but you're not able to do this, then it just won't work. You know what I'm saying?
1: Exactly, man. Yeah. You can you can only do what will realistically fit that person's schedule and their lifestyle. So yeah. I give them what they need, you know, and and also sometimes what they need is what they like. Because if someone, yeah, that's a good thing when that
0: happens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because like you can give someone the most optimal program, but if they're not doing it, or maybe if their arousal is lower. <laughs> when I say arousal, you know, don't get the wrong idea. I'm, talk- <laughs> I'm talking about like. Psychological stimulation in the gym, you know, you want to be like, uh, pumped, uh, me- mentally speaking, you know. I mean, there's a limit, you know. You want to have like moderate arousal, but, you know, you, you want to enjoy training. You want you want to just just hit-, hit hit the weights hard and, uh, focus on pushing yourself. Because I'll tell you one thing, I'm deloading right now, so my s- psychological stimulation is lower. So when I go in the gym, I feel so much weaker. Yeah. Even even though like everything's the same, mm-hmm. it- it's just that. I'm not as focused. So having enjoyable training and like, you know, specific goals, that's going to keep you, uh, you know, pushing yourself.
0: Yeah. And actually what you just said, I want to dive in a little bit uh, of that deload of like what that is, like what you're going through right now. And if is an intermediate level lifter, um, it might become more and more um, very important, obviously to understand your own body of when you need that, obviously. And I want to ask you, you know what percentage of your volume do you back off or in what ways do you back off on the deload what is the length of it what do you like to do because I know there's tons of different ways and there's like I mean I've read into like John Meadows stuff or even like you know Laynor stuff or 3MJ stuff, I and mean, there's all tons of different ways and like I've even tried to um, trick my body and like just raising the frequency really high and trying to maintain like the same volume but it just doesn't. You can't recover. This is still the same total volume, so it just didn't work out. But you know what I mean. It's like I've tried different things to try and see, but it, yeah. At the end of the day, it's like I uh, just do just do what works. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> tell, tell us how you kind of like to do your deload.
1: Yeah. So uh, I guess I can just explain what a deload is quickly. Um, basically, deload is like a it's kind of like an active recovery, usually a week. Uh, period of time to allow you to like dissipate all that fatigue that's accumulated uh, through the course of several weeks of training. So what it consists of is decreasing your volume and intensity in the gym. So what that means is usually, usually fewer sets and um, not being as close to failure. So what I like to do is whatever I'm normally doing, I reduce my volume by maybe 40 to 50%, right? So let's say I was doing um, 16 sets per week for chest. I might be doing eight to 10 during a deload. Excuse me. And then um, in terms of my load, I'll decrease only like five to 10%. So what what, will happen is that instead of being a uh, nine RPE, that means like one rep in the tank each set, I might be like, three reps in the tank on each set uh, so basically you can see that my volume really got reduced but my intensity still kind of
0: high yeah, i think people um, get that misconception of like you gotta like lift a really light weight in order to do this deload properly but go ahead yeah <laughs> yeah but
1: the thing is when you decrease your load the 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 amount of weight that you lift that's that might be a good recipe to simply detrain uh, for certain individuals. You know, some people, can, some people can literally just stop going to the gym for a week and come back totally fresh. Now, the, the thing about a deload is that you want enough stimulus for your body so that you can recover, but your fitness is maximized so that you, you just perform. You should feel fresh after a deload. For me, you know uh, getting back into like stimulus recovery adaptation uh we call it an sra curve so uh, basically my my rate of fitness decay the 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 speed at which i i lose fitness tends to tends to be pretty fast so if i take a week completely off the gym or maybe my deload i go too light so i drop the weights by too much i'm going to end up weaker when i come back
0: you don't want that interesting yeah you you go really fast
1: then yeah it's very fast for me now for for again for many of my clients one week off they come back they're totally fine so it really just depends on the individual um so that's why i keep the intensity relatively high but the volume i make sure i drop why is because we see studies that even if you drop the volume as long as you keep the intensity up you're going to maintain whatever you're doing. Now, during this deload week, uh, again, you want to recover. So you're not trying to make a bunch of gains during the deload week. Rather, you're trying to simply allow that fatigue to uh, dissipate so that you can actually get back to uh, not just performing, like, like working hard, but also like it's going to reveal your gains in a way because all that fatigue that's accumulated will mask your gains. So you might think you're not making gains after the deload. Whoa, I'm, I'm lifting five or 10 more pounds on my bench, you know? So, uh, yeah, to, to sum it up, sum it up, um, decrease volume, 40 to 50%, drop load five to 10%. And, uh, I like to do this again, depends on the individual, but for me, it's like every fourth or fifth week, um, so usually, like every four to six weeks, you could say every four to eight weeks. I mean, some people say every twelve weeks. It depends. It always depends. You know, it's not a sexy answer, but that's the truth.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I and I agree with you definitely. It's funny how literally every question that's probably ever asked in this space is going to be it depends because <laughs> it does. Um, but I guess for people listening to or watching, um, one curve that you can go and look at is this actual deload curve or this curve that he's talking about with how your training progression is going. Maybe you're, you're keeping track of your, um, your performance in the gym. Maybe you're increasing and then you'll know once you start, what's called overreaching, right? And those, you'll know. And then you'll start, you probably won't, I mean, unless you're like a tough SOB, like going to overtraining, but like you're sort of like overreaching and then you'll start to see your performance dip. And then that's how you kind of cue yourself into going that deload. Am I correct? Um, and so uh, you'll notice, though, if you have these curves that, like he just said, you got to be disciplined enough to know when because then that week when you come back, then you're above where you left off on that. For you, it would be like the third week, right? Um, so, for, yeah, fourth week. So the start of the fifth week, you'd be like above where you ended that third week. But on that fourth week, you kind of came down, and you're obviously your load, your volume, and all that kind of stuff. So you can see that the there's like kind of like the wave going on, but at the end of the day, the line's still going kind of linear, right? Over over like a twelve month period rather than just like if you look at one month by month.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, everything it's it's like a wave, but in, in the long run, you're you want that uh that fitness that I keep saying fitness, but basically just your gains are gonna be going up over time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And one thing you mentioned actually uh that I want to touch on is you know you're due for a deload when you know you start losing, you know, strength or anything like that. So my my approach is more of a, I guess you would call it like a proactive deload, um, I, for it instead of react to it. Exactly. I, I I have my deload right now. It's every um uh, fifth weeks, right? So I have four weeks of the mesocycle. You can call it four weeks of accumulation and then a one week deload. So during that last week before the deload, it's not like I feel like I lost all my strength. Like I'm so fatigued because I want to have a deload before that happens. Because if you do, um, you know, push yourself so hard that, you know, you're in a recovery hole. Well, then you got to get out of the recovery hole and and you're kind of just setting yourself back. Now, some other people, um, like, you know, Menno Henselman has a, his own uh, reactive deload in which he might be deloading a certain body part uh, when you need it. So, I mean, that's not my approach, but hey, you know, my, my approach may change over time. But yeah. right now, I like to plan a deload so that I can make have more, I guess, how do I put this, uh, progress that I, more expected progress i yeah, guess yeah you can plan out the data
0: points a little better for yourself so you can start exactly. planning and, and, and then um projecting instead of just you're still in the trial and error phase like you already know kind of your body now and so you're projecting rather than still trying to like figure out the initial data exactly yeah and so i'm still an idiot and like hard-headed with that stuff <laughs> so <laughs> i'm like a, like a sign i guess i like the the experimentation of things, um, because I always like trying something new, um, and holding the variables as stable as I can and then seeing what works. Cause I know for my body, um, I will, like I'll start overreaching for sure. And I'll know I am, and I'm still an idiot. Cause I, what I'll do is, is I know my body will recover fast. And so I know, and like, if I just plan out two days where I do nothing and just go to sleep, um, and I will recover, like, like, within that sleeping cycle, just, like, from getting my food in and sleeping and deloading for like a couple days. And then I'll be hitting, the, you know what I mean? Like, it only, it takes my body, it's weird. I recover very fast. Um, but I like to, like, push the barriers a little bit with certain things. And I like to do, what like, like you said, certain body part deloads and the kind of, um, I, in my training, I don't know if you do any of this too, I wanted to dive into this, but, like, uh, more of a power or a strength training in com- combination with uh, hypertrophy or muscle endurance side of the spectrum, and how you kind of go about um, putting that in your splits with your total volume. Does that make sense?
1: You're saying like uh, fo- focusing on like strength versus hypertrophy for versus. For example,
0: like being like, it's so weird uh, being a part of, uh, for example, like with Cliff, um, totally different methodology of like traditional, like. You know, stuff, um, or even like with the research now. But it seemed to work very well, very, very well. And so, one thing what I'm talking about is do you, have you ever done any sort of like, for example, during the week, even though you're a bodybuilder, not a powerlifter, or like, you know, an athlete, have you done more of like maybe in the beginning or the end of the week, you split it in, in half? And the first end of the week is more of powerlifting, like strength, as in a, in a high load, a lower rep range. And then on the back end of the week, it's a higher rep range and a lighter load.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, right now, um, I'm getting uh, programming by uh, Jeff Alberts, my coach from 3DMJ. But um, normally how I would do it, yes, I, I, I like to focus on like m- more so on one goal at a time. Um, So, so in your case, what you're kind of describing is like DUP, you know? Uh, So I might have, let's say you're doing like, just to simplify things, like an upper lower split. So on the first upper lower day of the week, you might do strength. So like on the compounds, that might be four to six reps, six to eight reps, for example. Uh, And then on the second upper lower days, you might do higher reps, Um, you know, maybe more traditional bodybuilding, like eight to 12 rep range or 12 to 15 um, so again, I don't like to categorize things, but yeah, that's most definitely one way of doing it. You know, we actually see in that, man, that one famous uh, RIA at all 2002 study, but basically the, the ones who did uh, DUP got like twice the gains of those who didn't, right? So simply just switching up the rep ranges really yeah. uh, produced some, some crazy progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I do like to do that. Now, here's the thing. As a beginner, it doesn't really matter all that much. We're not going to see practical differences.
0: If we can Um, go back and be a beginner again, bro. (laughs) I mean,
1: mean, you could argue, like looking at the literature, that even for beginners, some forms of periodization may be beneficial, but uh, I'm not going to get into that for beginners it's often like I don't even want to give them heavy movements because sometimes some people get a little more scared some some people their form sucks uh no offense to them you know uh I was there once too so I I usually just keep more traditional rep ranges uh like eight to 15 reps but once you start getting to the intermediate stage having some lower rep ranges can help with gaining some strength and we know that if you're stronger it'll help you lift more weight over time which is progressive overload uh now you know there are different ways of doing it so one way is kind of like just using dup like we mentioned now again dup can be in many different forms uh it it could even be like focusing on let's say you have you train um i don't know squats two times per week, Monday and Thursday, one day, if you want to, if you're in a hypertrophy block, so this is where uh, block periodization comes into play. Maybe in this block, you're focusing on hypertrophy. So you might be doing sets of uh, Monday, um, you know, four sets of eight. And then on Thursday, three sets of 10, for example, both of those are still in uh, quote, quote unquote, hypertrophy rep ranges because yeah. you can accumulate volume. Now, another way of doing it that, you know, some people may argue is better. Some may say is worse, uh, is that focusing on, you know, like, like strength on one day. So like, like literally like sets of five, maybe on one day and then sets of 10 on another day, here's what we have to consider. One, practically speaking, it's not going to make much of a difference. Um, two is that if you do want to really optimize everything. It's possible that since you're training at higher intensities on that first day, when you're just hitting uh, sets of five, that's heavy. It, it, it's it, it's a high intensity, and that may limit the vo- the total volume throughout the week or throughout the mesocycle that you can perform. Now th- that can be argued, but if that is the case, then if you're in a hypertrophy block or you're focusing on like muscle building at this time, then you can, you can even think in a way that that might be holding you back. So maybe just focus on higher rep ranges, like, you know, eight to 12 rep ranges and then next, or like maybe do that for a few mesocycles and then you transition into a completely lower volume, higher intensity phase, which would be basically like, uh, you know, lower rep ranges. So there's a million ways to do it. Uh, but, I do like to err on the side of focusing on one goal at a time.
0: Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm.
1: So if I have an intermediate lifter, um I'll usually have them like maybe the the uh strength block will be like, or sorry, the hypertrophy block will be like at the lowest 6 to 8 reps. So that serves as their strength day, but I don't but I'm not going to be doing freaking doubles because that's going to hinder the volume they can perform.
0: Yeah. 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 And that makes, that makes sense. I completely understand. Um, kind of trying to manipulate those gray not gray areas, but like the outer outer edges of those different rep ranges still like the hypertrophy rep ranges and stuff to like change up that weekly or daily undulating, you know, periodization, but you're still in that rep range with that volume that you're trying to hit. And so you're trying to really focus on recovery and what you're able to do, um, rather than like, hitting doubles and then maybe not getting in that total volume for, for the whole entire week. Right. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Well, I guess, you know, going through this now, we talked a lot about, um, different periodization, how you structure things with your D load. I like it a lot because we're kind of given a fine roadmap of like from beginning or that step from, you know, beginner to intermediate to like, start by finding one thing, just like find one thing, I believe at least, um, not like a million different things, and try to change everything, but like figure out that progressive overload umbrella that you 're talking about. pick one thing, stick with it if you 're making gains, obviously just stick with that like don 't make gains and then be like okay i 'm going to change everything like obviously it 's more simple changes than people think, at least in my like what i 've experienced i don 't know about you. maybe you need to change a lot of things if there 's a different stuff going on with the client, but um, I wanted to ask you a little more about the neurological adaptation and more of like how that like building um, strength in the process of building muscle mass as well in those blocks. Does that make sense? Um, More of like, do you kind of explain, I want you to explain, I want you to explain like how the neurological and like the, the neurons, the motor neurons, the, the, everything is firing and like what you're, what's actually going on as you're going through that say a linear prioritization block or linear prioritization of, you know, progressive overload, um, instead of undulating or anything like that, kind of explain what's going on and how you can kind of maximize on when you hit that plateau. Um, or maybe you're not like, you don't need a deload, but you need to like change something and to keep uh, progressing. Does that make sense? Kind of explain like those mechanisms of some strategy behind that, if that makes sense or like what's going on.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if I understand the question completely.
0: I was trying to like pull it together because there's a lot that I think is useful in the terms of like more of the neurological pathways is what I'm saying.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, if this is what you mean, like during different phases, there may be different pathways involved. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, let's say you're focusing more on lower volume, higher intensity, like during a strength block. Well, during that time, uh, if you were lift lifting mostly with like, I don't know, sets of like four to six, for example, then can you build muscle? Well, yeah, of course. If you are doing sufficient volume to actually elicit muscle growth, but the thing, the thing with like strength training, like, like think of power lifters, um, especially the, the, the power lifters who have an approach, who, uh, don't do as much volume uh whatever wherever their approach is maybe you know most most powerlifters will have blocks in which they have higher volume periods but it, it, during those phases which they're doing low volume you'll notice that they may be getting stronger but they're not building that much muscle now the reason is that a lot of the the adaptations that they're making are neurological so instead of adding on muscle tissue right you know increasing their muscle cell size that's called muscle hypertrophy instead of muscle hypertrophy occurring to to increase their strength it's more of their nervous system rather than musculoskeletal that is adapting to get them stronger so now the question is oh wait so if i'm getting stronger i thought that means you know hey i'm building more muscle yeah. maybe uh, i mean i yeah. mean like you <laughs> See, but here's the thing: if you're lifting super low volumes all the time, then uh, yeah, you can still build muscle, but you're not going to build as much muscle, relatively speaking, if you were doing more volume, assuming you can recover from it. So when you're not not doing much volume, heavyweight, more so on the neurological spectrum, your nervous system adapts, your your body recruits your motor units, your muscle fibers uh, better to 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 be stronger, and then on the other side of the spectrum, is that uh, higher volume, more metabolic stress, that is going to elicit less neurological adaptations, more muscle hypertrophy. So your muscle fibers literally just getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it does exactly, and and that's why I wanted you to kind of separate because people. I feel like they'll be like trying – they'll be like um, posting a video of like oh, I hit a PR today you know, doing one rep max and um, they're talking about how much muscle they're building and stuff like that or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, hold on a second, bro. Hold on a second. But I think that there's good – there is essence and there's, there's uh, value um, in training a little bit of both. Uh, the reason being is, is then essentially there might be a little carryover when you're able to lift a higher load on those higher rep ranges. Does that make sense Uh, for hypertrophy?
1: Yeah. So that's actually something that I've seen, seen being contested is that do you really need to lift in lower rep ranges? I'm talking like triples or maybe even fives. Do you need though that low of rep ranges? Cause you know, if you could argue that you can still gain significant strength through, uh, like, you know, sets of six to eight, for example. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, oh wait, you know, if you are getting stronger doing triples uh, in your sets, will that neurological adaptation carry over mm-hmm. to uh, actual muscle growth? Cause yeah, you can be stronger, but strength is a skill. Mm-hmm. So maybe that won't carry over as progressive overload in higher rep ranges and actually lead to more uh, muscle hypertrophy. So 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 it's an interesting question. You know, it's- that is
0: interesting. I didn't. Yeah, I guess I haven't looked a lot more into that um, because yeah, it would just like like what I'm saying is is I think we're on the same pages. Obviously, the the central nervous system, like the development of of this like the motor neurons, like I'm saying, the neurological stuff and the central nervous system, like to get stronger, um, getting stronger that way might potentially obviously if you're lifting the same volume. Uh, at a higher load or it's not the same volume if it's a higher load but if you're lifting the same amount of sets and reps at a higher load um then i guess actually i'm going to take back my stuff a little bit because it doesn't potentially mean that you're going to be growing more muscle mass but you have a better opportunity i I don't know that's a that's a good thing i actually want to look into a little more you know what i'm saying because you you want to be progressively overloading but doesn't mean if you jump from jump from doing 50 pound dumbbells to a hundred pound dumbbells. You're going to gain like that. You know, it's a, it's a linear curve for the muscle mass growth. Obviously there's not the correlation there, but you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. So, so I remember Steve Hall made, made a post, um, about like, are you actually gaining muscle? And you know, I don't want to put like words in, in his mouth, but basically you would know that you're gaining muscle if, if you have like a few of these, um, you know considerations one is you know you're visually getting bigger uh two is like uh you're getting stronger right you're getting stronger but in the 8 to 12 rep range because that rep range is more so uh, muscular muscularly mediated rather than (laughs) neurologically mediated so it's kind of like if you're gaining strength in that eight to 12 rep range it's likely just because you're getting more muscular
0: yeah that's right that's how i think is yeah in that, in that rep range if you're getting strong that's what i'm saying like maybe a carryover from the lower rep ranges building strength to develop the central nervous system to then uh but that wouldn't really carry over as much i guess just because it may be in like a four to six rep range maybe potentially or like a, you know but like a, a single or a double maybe not as much or a triple but uh but yeah at that eight to 12 rep range um and i look at stuff even up to a 15 rep range for sure um i don't know what your take is on that but i'm i'm actually a huge proponent of a little more on that bro science side of things uh i do a little bit of that incorporated just because i I like to learn a little deeper you know um and just see if it works but um but yeah that's what i'm saying is obviously you can increase your load on that, that rep range you're talking about i feel like that would be a good indicator as well as just like looking yourself in the mirror and trying to Dude, the main thing for me is, like, controlling the variables. Like, most people are, like, making an automatic assumption, but they think that they, like, it's it because of this, but really they have, like, five different things going on, so they don't really don't know it's from that one thing. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly, dude. That's why being a good coach, you're being a scientist, you know?
0: Yeah, well, exactly.
1: And that's why I see many scientists are coaches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, yeah, good coaches are, yeah. And, and they, they speak like so highly and so intelligently because of that reason of their like you they're data driven and they're they hold the of like they have the environment of creating uh like an environment to know exactly what's going on because they have all the variables controlled except for that one that they're testing obviously right and they know how to communicate with their client. That's super huge too in order to have that client actually go through that process of holding that environment stable. You know what I mean?
1: absolutely man like like how many people do you see who like want to make progress and then they just do these random changes or like i mean don't get me started with all that muscle confusion stuff dude i I hate that
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be doing bicep curls while i'm doing squats (laughs) it's like don don whatever his name is the most alpha exercise in the gym (laughs) oh oh yeah, yeah
1: i know what you're talking about um yeah no just changing your just doing random stuff. I I like structure. I like having a plan. I like having data because numbers don't lie. People lie.
0: 100%. 100%, brother. Well, I guess kind of um, wrapping this up and stuff like that, I want you, because we went through like the whole progression. I I really appreciate you going through all that stuff because uh, this is a little more of a higher level uh, podcast than a lot of my listeners listen to in the sense of you're using um, actual methodology with number-based, like science-based numbers, projections, like here's what's been proven through the research and would, would be very beneficial taking that next step of trying to get in that intermediate phase, right? Um, and so if you're going, you know, we get progressive overload, we go through, we have a deload when either you could, they could do it as projected like you, or they can try and feel it out and feel like crap for a little bit. And then and then they'll go to project it after they do that. But <laughs> um, go through a deload process. And then understand of, like, um, those rep ranges and, and trying to stick, depending on what block you're in of either hypertrophy or muscle endurance or, like, you know, strength or whatever, um, understanding that there's a little bit of variable there uh, depending on what your goals are, obviously. Um, so I guess if there's anything left, what would be the, one, the number one thing um, you would tell maybe somebody trying to get in that intermediate stage uh, to keep making progress? Maybe they're, like, plateaued out of their beginner gains, right? And what would be like the number one thing you'd say to them, uh, to pursue or like to really figure out in order to start making gains as an intermediate lifter?
1: I mean, that's a hard question, but if I, if I had to put it in one second, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'd say only make it as complicated as it needs to be to see progress so you're going to have to make it more complex but only as much as needed so that might be something as simple as changing your split to allow more training volume you know uh, it's simpler
0: than you think huh
1: yeah i mean sometimes it's more complex but maybe that's just me cuz i'm an overthinker right so i would definitely say do whatever you're doing make sure you write things down you should have data and look, look it over. What's working? What's not working? Change something if it's not working for a period of time. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, I'd say that I'd say that's a good one. You know, just have data and make things. You know, improve it only as needed.
0: Yeah, no, I think honestly that uh, everything I could have thought you would have said. That's like the perfect thing because most of the time beginners they don't track anything, obviously, because they're getting gains. So why are they worrying about tracking numbers, right? But to like get to that next level, writing stuff down, having data points to actually know what's going, should be happening. It's just like blood work. It's just like anything else. It's like hundred percent. The numbers will not lie to you. So, but anyways, my man, I do want to say thank you for, for hopping on here. Um, I really appreciate you going through all that stuff. Like I said, a little higher podcast, like your, your content on your page is amazing. I'm going to put up all your, um, your stuff in the description, obviously, as your email. Um, and uh, other than that, brother, um, I would love to do this again because you're very, very knowledgeable. And like I said, we relate on a lot of different cylinders there because same age and you're a super motivated guy. So uh, we'll have to catch up again. Dude,
1: absolutely. I mean, thank you for having me on. And uh, it's a pleasure speaking with you.
0: Yeah. Okay, man. Till next time. See you, dude.